All right, welcome to the Thunderstock Show. Today's episode is the next interview in the series, interviewing Doug Horst. This topic today is called Miracles All Around Us. Doug has some inspiring stories, to say the very least, about how he has witnessed and been a part of real-life miracles. So I can't wait to introduce some of these stories to my listeners. And as always, if you find them to be beneficial to your life, liberty, and pursuit of property, please share them. Please share the show. Without further ado, Doug. Well, hi, Ross. It's nice to be back again. And uh, this is a topic I'm really passionate about because I've had many miracles in my life. I've seen miracles in others, other people's lives. But uh, let's just talk about what's going on right now. Uh, 14 years ago, I got breast cancer. I uh, went through that, came out of it good. Four years later, it metastasized my bones. And I was a little bitter at God during that time. And then everything was good. And then my insides started to get messed with. And I don't know if you know anything about belly rubin, but uh, yep. your tubes are in there and your, uh, you got bio ducts that go into your liver and it drains this uh, belly rubin. And your belly rubin should be between 0.2 and 1.2. And so when I first got sick, I turned yellow. My eyes were yellow. Uh, we didn't know what was going on. I got very weak. And when I went to the doctors, they said, hey, you, you got to get, we got to do some exploratory stuff and see what's going on. And so when they first did, they went in and they still don't know what it is today, but something was pushing against one of my tubes that was clogging it. So they put stents in. So I had two stents in two different tubes that were uh, draining properly and my belly rubin would go back down. So about every four months to, I guess the longest I ever went was a year but it's usually about every four months. I got to get these stents clean. I've asked about diet and all that. They said they don't. They don't know. You know, just live and and we don't know why they get clogged or anything. It's it just happens. And it's, when he says he cleans it out, he says it's like getting sludge out or whatever. Mm. So anyway, the last time I, it was May fifth, uh, just about a month ago, and um, I went in for the routine cleaning, and I'm used to it. Usually, you go in and. About a week it takes till you feel good again. And uh, in fact, the very first time I had it done, I had what they call pancreatitis. And that's very painful. Uh, I can't even explain how much pain that is. And I ended up spending about five days in the hospital to get through that. But I haven't had that since. Mm. And anyway, so this time I went in. And when I woke up, the doctor said, hey, I couldn't get the one stent open. He said, but I got the main one open and I put dye in. I'm pretty sure it's draining. You'll be all right. Well, I got home, and I didn't feel better. I started feeling worse, and mm. about a week went by, and I get cancer treatments, too, and my cancer treatments were due. My doctor kind of says do them all the time, which I don't know why he makes me do them sometimes after surgery, but I did them, and the day after that, I was sick. I mean, I, I felt like I had the flu. I felt like my body was aching all over, and I progressively got worse the following week. So I called the doctor. I said, hey, I said, something's wrong. I said, My, I'm getting worse. I'm getting yellower. So they told me to get blood work done. So I went and got blood work. My belly rubin was 15. That's 15 times higher what it should be. Jeez. My sodium was low, which means you can get seizures. You can get brain damage, permanent brain damage. And he says, I recommend you uh, admit yourself to LGH. So I immediately admitted myself to LGH, and that would have been on a Friday. And I don't remember the date on that, but it was a morning. My daughter took me in in the morning. 
So while I was in there, they uh, I had a couple blood transfusions. I had all kinds of stuff done to me. I can't even tell you what it was. But they told me they don't know what they're going to do for me. Uh, they said, hey, we might not be able to do anything for you. You know, if we can't unclog these and we can't do anything for you, uh, you might just have to live this way. And I'm like, well, I can't live this way. Mm. So I'm in the hospital, and um, I had a lot of good doctors working behind the scenes. And they were going to try to get me to go to University of Pennsylvania in uh, Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. But they had to accept my case. And so they accepted my case. So that was my first miracle that I got my case accepted. Right. And so I was there from Friday morning to Saturday night, and I got transported by uh, ambulance uh, to uh, from LGH to uh, University of Pennsylvania. I ended up there about 2 in the morning. And from there, uh, I had a lot of good specialists. They had I had three teams working on me. I had a, a, a surgical team. Uh, he was a doctor of roses, like the rose, like a thorn rose. Mm. Uh, one of the best in the country. Uh, there was a man on his team called Matt. Matt was very inspirational during this time. He motivated me. He's a guy... Big guy, I'm going to say six foot three, 230, big bushy beard, tattoos, bald, looked like a cage fighter. If I was ever a drinker, he'd be a guy I'd want to go out and have a beer with. Yeah. And so he was a motivator. He, 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 called, he just motivated the crap out of me. So he made me walk. I could hardly walk. And, you know, the first day the goal was do 10 laps. Well, Doug Horst did 11. The next day he said <laughs> do 20. I did 22. Yeah. The next day, he said 30. I did 33. I wanted to prove this guy, I'm going to work as hard as you are to save me. Yeah. Because I want to do my part. Yeah. So I did. So they did some imaging, and uh, they decided there was another person up there that thought they could maybe do something. So they went in, and they were able to clean my stents. They got them out. They cleaned them. Miracle number two. However, my liver, he said, your liver is effed up. <laughs> he said, the best way I can explain it is you got five highways going into the liver, yeah. one coming out. So my belly rubin did not come down. It stayed at 15. It just stayed there. And they weren't sure what they were going to do if they could do anything. Uh, there was a lot of discussions. Uh, the way it was looking, they were going to put a tube into my liver, which was a very complex uh, surgery that he had only ever done two before. So I would have been the third one. And then I would have had a bag on the outside permanently, uh, to drain my belly, Reuben. The positive about that was that I would never have to get stents cleaned again. I'd just drain it out of the bag. But I have a bag outside, so I'd never be able to go swimming, be submerged. But, you know, I, I wanted to live, so I thought that was okay. That sounded pretty good to me. Well, my grandson was going to get baptized on June 4th. So this is where we are. We're already from May 5th to June 4th. And 30 been, days on. I've been in the hospital 11 of those days. Yeah. I suffered at home for the other ones. And my grandson, who's only six years old, had actually asked me to be in the pool with him to be baptized, which really touched me. I really wanted to be there for him, but I couldn't. And my and here's another thing I'll throw in there. My daughter uh, had promised me or said to me I could go anywhere I want for my 60th birthday, and I had picked Utah to go to the national parks, Bryce Canyon, Zion, and whatever else we did out there. And that was scheduled for uh, June 13th. Yeah. Now, this is June 4th. I even had my surgery yet. I said, you better cancel my ticket. I don't think I'm going to go. So anyway, that Sunday morning, I uh, hooked up to the Internet, and from my room, I watched uh, the church service. The worship that day was all about healing. 
I watched my son or grandson get baptized. I probably used a half a box of Kleenexes crying through the whole thing. And then the uh, sermon was by Barry Whistler, who happens to be my son-in-law's dad. Okay. It was all about healing. And during the service, I felt that God healed my liver. I just felt it. I felt God touch me. I just knew he did it. Monday morning, they released me from the hospital. They said, Doug, your belly ribbon started coming down. It's down to 13. We want you to go on this trip. We're going to release you. I said, you're kidding me. I told my family. They didn't believe me. They called the doctors to check because they thought I was making it up. It was true. So anyway, um, that was another miracle right there. That's the big one. My liver was healed. And uh, guess what? I got to go on that trip. In fact, I just got back last night uh, at 8.30 from that trip. And during that, and during this time, remember, I could barely walk 11 laps around a, a hospital room. <laughs> yeah. I hiked. The last hike was six miles that we did in four hours with probably 2,000 feet vertical straight up. Uh, now, they were yeah. steps and switchbacks. But, yeah. I mean, I thought I was going to die on that thing up. I was sweating <laughs> and clammy. I didn't think I was going to make it. But I kept telling myself... I'm the caboose Ken. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. And I just made myself do it. I, I also, you know, the story of the tortoise and the hare. I was a tortoise, but I always caught up. Yep. Always caught up. Anyway, and that turned out to be a fantastic trip. So you, you, you hiked about 30 miles. Well, I think in the week we did at least 30 miles. And I got stronger and stronger. When I was <laughs> in the hospital, I went from 154 to 134. Yeah. Uh, I weighed myself last night when I got home. I weighed 145. So I gained almost ten. back to where you. Well, were. I, I, my arms are still flabby. I've been trying to lift weights, and obviously hiking has done wonders for my legs and yeah. built me up. But um, I kind of lost my train of thought. Okay, so um, another thing, my grandson had believed from the very beginning that I would be healed and go on the trip. He told me all along, Grandpa, you're, or Pop, Pop, you're going to be healed. God's going to heal. This is a six-year-old grandson. Uh, you want to know about faith of a mustard seed? Well, he had it, and it grew into a big mustard tree because uh, I was healed, and I went on that trip. And um, I just can't say any more than I give all, all the glory and honor to God. And I think my life has really been changed from this point on. While I was at, while I was at the, uh, on the trip, I probably prayed for 50 to 30 people, 30 to 50 people. Everywhere yeah. I went, I would tell my story about the miracle. They would just, their mouth would drop open. And I would say, do you have any needs for prayer? Do you need finances, health? Everybody said yes. What do you think the most common theme was that they needed prayer for? I would guess finances. No, relationships. Really? Most people had relationship problems with their family. There was inner fighting, unforgiveness, Things like that. Yeah. So that I think that goes on more than we know. You know, we put on a show a lot that we're perfect and our family's perfect, and you know, we go to church and we're just a perfect family. And in, inside, behind the scenes, there's a lot going on that we don't know about. People yeah. arguing, fighting about dumb things that don't matter. So I would recommend if you have issues with um, with family that you learn to forgive. You don't have to be right. If you get angry, walk away. Talk about it when you're not angry. And uh, just learn to love each other and put each other first. And uh, use the golden rule and treat others like you want to be treated. And I think that goes a long way in life to make your relationships whole and better. Well, what a, what a story. Um, 
I think the the main takeaway that I have from this particular story on miracles is finding people that believe in you when you might not believe in you. That's whether, right. whether that's your six-year-old grandson or your mother or father or maybe someone that you don't know so well. And a good support system. Yeah. I had people all over the country praying for me. And I, when I said it, I'm not kidding. You know, the churches were praying for me. My family was praying for me. My uh, sister-in-law, who her life has recently been changed, she just started a Bible study, and they had 69 people in Florida. They were praying for me. My Aunt Joyce in South Carolina, her and her church were praying for me. I had people praying for me all over the place, and if that wouldn't have happened, I don't know if I would have had these miracles. And also, my six-year-old grandson telling me, Pop up, God's going to heal you I said, you know, Judah, I agree with you. I never disagree with him. And the Bible does say that if two or more agree, it shall happen. So, you know, when I think you need to have faith, you know, if if somebody prays for you and you don't believe it's going to happen, it's probably not going to happen. Yeah. You know, they're saying, like, if I think I can, I can. If I think I can, I can't. Either way, you're right. Yeah. yeah. I think it's true in faith. I think you need to have faith and believe and trust. One of my favorite Bible verses is Psalm, or is in Proverbs, and that's trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Do I understand what happened? No. Am I glad it happened? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Do I trust in the Lord? Yes. And uh, I'm continuing. That's how I want to live from now on. When I wake up every day, I realize it's a gift. You know, I'm 60. I have health issues. I could die tomorrow. But so could you at the age of 10 or 12. You could get hit by a car. You, yeah. could dro- you could drop over dead from anything. We don't know how short life is. Anything can happen. So I wake up every day, and the first thing I do is I say, God, thank you for giving me life today. Thanks for breathing into me and giving me breath of air. And then I say, thanks for giving me one more day on this planet Earth, and let me be worthy of it. What can I do for you today to honor you? So that's kind of my new uh, theme in life is what can I do for you today? Put myself second. You know, when I worked a lot, I'm too busy for this. I'm too busy for that. God might tell me, hey, pull over and help this person. But I was too busy. I was in a hurry to go somewhere. I'm learning now to listen. If he says stop and talk to this person, ask him for this prayer, whatever, I'm doing it. I'm not scared to do it. And I don't say I'm going to pray for you and then do it at home. I do it right then and there on the spot. Most people break down and cry. They hug you. They thank you. I've only ever had one person ever, ever, ever in my life say no to prayer. And I probably prayed for hundreds of people. So, And actually, when I pray for people, I feel like I get blessed. And I feel better. And I feel good when it's over. So I'm not doing it for me, but it's amazing how good it is for me and how good I feel. And I think, you know, I don't know if you believe in God or not. That's not my place. I'm not trying to convince you of anything. I'm not trying to convert you to anything. I don't have any agenda. You're just telling your story. I'm telling my story, what happened to me. And there's no one that can convince me that God's not real because I've had way too much that (laughs) happened in my life. You can't, you couldn't, you couldn't pay me a million dollars to deny it. I, I cannot deny it. I'm going to tell you one other story. I don't want to go on and on, but... Oh, go ahead. My son, when he was like 16 years old, him and his friend Bryce, used to, I had a restaurant, and he used to clean the restaurant. They'd go after school at 10 o'clock at night. They'd get home at 2 in the morning. Now, I know that's school night, and I probably child <laughs> abuse and all that crap. 
But that's what we did. We worked. We were a family, and we worked together. We cared for each other. And one night, they were coming home. They had to drive over a mountain, and there was a bad snowstorm. And my son was driving home, and he heard audible voice say, stop. He stopped. Here, a tree had fallen down in front of the road, blocked the road. In fact, he called me that night because he didn't know how to get home. But he said, Bryce, did you say something? Bryce says, no, I didn't say anything. He said, did you hear anything? No, I didn't hear anything. So tell me what that was. Was it an angel? Was it God? I don't know. But my son heard somebody say stop. Thank God he listened and probably saved his life. So there's another miracle. That's, you know, that's, I think all miracles are big, whether it's healing a liver or stopping for a tree or whatever. A miracle is a miracle. And, you know, everybody thinks that the Bible, uh, the miracle stories might not be true, that they're just stories or that they're not for today, that, you know, God only did that back then. I don't believe that. I think the miracles are just, and I don't think that it has to be a preacher either. I don't think you have to go to church and go up front and get prayed for. I think it's people like me that trust and believe in God, and when they see something, they do it. That's how business people can impact the world. That's how anybody can impact the world because we all have different lives. We all meet different people. If we just count on the pastors, there ain't enough pastors to take care of everybody. We're supposed to care for each other, and that's part of it, taking the time to find out someone else's need and try to help them, whether it's pray for them, give them a meal, whatever. You know, I gave a lot of people opportunities at, at the restaurant. A lot of times, and I'll be honest, you know, there are a lot of people that are on drugs, I would give second chances. They don't usually work out. I'm going to be honest. Most of the time, it don't work out. They still fail. You can give them opportunities. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. But if you do your part, that's all you can do. Yeah. You know, I talk about I can't control how anybody else acts or talks, but I can control myself. And so there's been many a times in my life that I even had a guy that worked for me as a manager that stole from me. And I gave him a second chance, and it didn't work out. Uh, one morning, he was supposed to open, and I got a call from one of the other cooks and said, hey, he's drunk. He don't even know what's going on. I walked in there. He had food sitting out. It was cold. It was just a mess. And I was really mad. I said, get the heck out of here now. Well, he went out and passed out in a ditch and ended up going to jail. Wow. Do I feel guilty about that? Kind of. Maybe I should have called his dad. But you know what? He put he did it to himself. Yeah. I had given him many chances, and he chose to get drunk and do his thing. And, well, I don't know. What he, I don't even know whatever happened to that guy. I hope he's still alive. I hope he makes it. But um, it is what it is. You know, you can't worry about everybody else. You just worry about that you do what's right, and uh, hopefully it, you impact the world in a better way. Controlling what you can control and having faith. Yep. Trust God. Don't lean on your own understanding because you're not going to... If we can understand God, then we're God. And God wouldn't be so big if we could figure it out. He'd be just like anybody else. We could figure it out. So I kind of like that I don't understand because if (laughs) I understood everything, then I might not think he's so big. And uh, so I don't need to understand. I just need to trust. 